The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1982 versus 1973. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, Laurel Mountain Flower's favorite podcast out there in the podcast world. Welcome, Laurel. Jason, we just had our female listenership get an infinite percentage increase. Woo! <laughs> Why don't you come sit over here next no, to me? No, no. <laughs> best behavior. We told you, best behavior. Dang, man. Finally get a lady here. Anyway, this is a show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of those random years. I think it's 1973 this time. And I will bring an action film from the other random year, 82. Those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. Let me introduce your host, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq. It is Jason Weasel Skull Albright. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Now let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq, and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Thank you, Jason. Before our two films enter the video dome arena, which may or may not have spikes, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. You get early access to special long box episodes. You get to vote on show content. We're always doing giveaways. There's lots to do. So these are the fine, fine folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to our show. Thank you for being And Helica Wolf. Bill from the Batpod. Blasted or stash it. Bob Busta Busta. Braxton Underwood. David Capuni. David Collins. Back up, Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. I, the Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. John and Maggie. Clean slate in 2020. Hi, Maggie. What's the matter, Jose Pollo? Chicken. <laughs> and I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> Maxwell Traver, Miranda W. Paul Heeks. Reggie Hancock. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ronald Witt. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy Price. Toronto Cup. And our one-time donor, Bradford William. Woo, that list gets longer and I love it. 
I do too. If we miss anybody on the list, we apologize. Just keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we'll add you soon. Still, if there's any problems, you can hit us up at contact at longboxcrusade.com or over on our Twitter handle is at AFFO podcast. Just let us know that we missed you. We'll get it all straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Hey, you can't. Funny, I was about to say, I can't. <laughs> In that voice, that's weird. Jason can't, but anybody else can for as little as $1 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Crusade. Buck a month, get you access to the Crusaders Club, and it's a ton of fun. Come check it out. Hey, Whistle Skillet, you got some dollar? <laughs> do not give him a dollar. <laughs> what are you going to do with this dollar, Mr. Connery? I'm going to become a Crusaders Club member because I can and you can't, you pansy. He's <laughs> <laughs> a mean man. <laughs> he is just a mean man, and he took my dollar, too. I can't believe I fell for that. <laughs> Well, now let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1982, and the Crusaders Club helped me select First Blood, starring Sylvester Stallone, Brian Dennehy, and Richard Crenna. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1973, so I'm putting into our Videodome arena, Magnum Force, starring Clint Eastwood, Hal Holbrook, and Mitchell Ryan. Ooh, that's the second appearance of a Dirty Harry film uh-huh, on uh-huh. the show. Very And cool. I will say, I kind of like this one a little bit better, I think. We'll talk about it more yeah, in the story. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. That's fair. Either way, we've got a fine matchup on this one, folks. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is really just all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is going to be this episode's champion. And since this has become a thing, I'll tell you right now, you can play a match game. There's five rounds, two movies apiece. Jason and I score them independently. I don't know what his scores are. He doesn't know what mine are. But because we were raised in the same household watching the same movies, we match a lot. So now is the time to pick your number between one and ten. How many times are they going to match? I believe our female listenership, which consists of Laurel, said we can make a drinking game out of this where you drink every time we match. So you know that's up to you. So we'll see how our match game comes out tonight. Here's our spoiler warning, folks, just in case somehow, some way, you have not seen 1973's Magnum Force or First Blood from 1982. I don't know how that's possible, but just in case you haven't, here's your spoiler warning. Go ahead, pause here, watch the films and come back, and that will be more meaningful to you. Or you can just go in crazy if you want. But here's your opportunity for a spoiler. We will be right back on the other side of this Richard Marks song. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm certain you were not disappointed. Those are both very good classic films, as I think we're going to discover tonight in our discussion, Jason. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1982's First Blood. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning! Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. Huh? You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, 
carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. I'm starting to dislike you a lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just save him. Crack. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! Headed straight for the top. <laughs> right on top. Well, there's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! And forced to fight back. Push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. Good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time he's fighting for his life. First blood. As stated earlier, here is your cast. Obviously, this is Sylvester Stallone, Brian Dennehy making his second appearance on Action Film Face Off. It's been a while since the very first episode since Brian Dennehy's been on. Yes, yeah, God, it's Silverado. He was That's in great. Silverado, yeah, playing pretty much the same role. <laughs> yeah, Sheriff. Uh... <laughs> Sheriff, kind of going out of his jurisdiction a little bit, doing things kind of a jerk face. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. a jerk. Yeah, he gets that a lot. This is directed by Ted Kochiff, and here's your synopsis. Green Beret and Medal of Honor Award recipient John Rambo finds himself alone in a world that holds little meaning for him after his return from Vietnam. After a small town sheriff and his deputies arrest Rambo, they treat him cruelly, which was unwise. After escaping from the town jail, it's a massive manhunt into the foothills of the Pacific Northwest that continues to escalate to explosive heights. Unlike any of the other films in the franchise, this one is more about post-war soldiers coping with their return home more so than it is about bullets and biceps, which is what the sequels are known for. So that is your summary. Here's some interesting trivia that I found on this film. Fans of the film remember that Stallone wears a large piece of rotten canvas that Rambo finds in the woods and he cuts it into a makeshift overcoat. And that's not actually a movie prop, but a real piece of rotten canvas that was found by the film crew during production. And since there was only one, Sylvester Stallone joked about how the canvas became a treasured prop on the set. And after the film ended, Stallone kept the rotten canvas and still has it in his possession to this day. Pretty cool. Kind of cool and kind of gross at the same time. (laughs) Cool, kind of gross. Factoid number two. The first rough cut was over three hours long. According to Sylvester Stallone, it was so bad that it made him and his agent sick. Stallone wanted to buy the movie simply to destroy it, thinking it was going to kill his career. But after some heavy re-editing, it was cut down to 93 minutes. And this is the version we all know and love. Then like the other four movies or five movies he just didn't care anymore at that point right just well let it go if you think about it too like in the late 70s and early 80s like epics like three hour movies were very popular think like deer hunter and stuff like that i could see where they kind of tried to go that route you know and then stallone was like you know this is kind of long and boring (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, you, it. <laughs> I think yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. Yeah. Cause I do remember the deer hunter and that was just before this. Mm-hmm. And this was like just before movies like platoon, this was like mm-hmm. five or six years before platoon came out. And then you kind of had that Vietnam wave. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of in that dead zone where uh, Vietnam was still kind of a taboo, uh, taboo subject. Yeah. 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 It's a good point. Well, your final trivia nugget is Sylvester Stallone accidentally broke the nose of Alf Humphreys, who played Lester. You might remember him through the movie because he's got the Band-Aid over his nose. He's got like the blood bruised raccoon eyes. And you might have thought, man, that's good makeup work. That looks like a guy who's really had his nose broken because he did have his nose broken. Boy, that guy, he went all in. He went all in. Well, I'm sorry, man. I broke your nose. <laughs> that was not bad. That was not bad at all. All right. Hit me with uh, what you got. All right. I'll give you the rundown on 1973's Magnum Force. Eastwood is back in full force as Dirty Harry and Magnum Force. Jimmy Riley, big time racketeer. Guzman, narcotics king. J.J. Wilson, well-known pimp. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnum. You and your partner are back on homicide. It's a little dramatic, isn't it, Briggs? Not your usual style. It's meant to be, Callahan. Look, this thing might be bigger than even we think it is. The cream in the bottle, Callahan. Someone's trying to put the courts out of business. Look, you work with Briggs on this, Callahan. They call him Dirty Harry, and he likes to do things his way. He's always around where the action is. In 24 hours, Harry manages to cover a stakeout to stop a robbery, and to be a good neighbor. Hi. Oh, hi. You're the cop who lives upstairs. That's right. But killers that look like cops are after Harry because he knows too much. They always call in Harry because they know he'll do the job. It's all in a day's work for Inspector Harry Callahan. The cast and crew included Clint Eastwood, Hal Holbrook, and Mitchell Ryan, and it was directed by Ted Post. And the synopsis goes something like this. When someone starts taking the law into their own hands and begins murdering San Francisco crime bosses, Dirty Harry Callahan is sent to investigate. When his suspicions turn to those in his own department, however, Harry finds himself turned from predator to prey. Of course, he's a prey with a BFG, so... <laughs> Is he really the prey? <laughs> yes, kind of, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, here's some trivia. So there's a tense scene in there where the cops threaten Harry in the garage. 
And after they rode off, the actors in real life all messed up and crashed into one another. And Clint Eastwood just laughed and said he'd been threatened by the Keystone Cops. <laughs> Number two, David Soule's performance as vigilante cop John Davis was so good that it led to his casting as Detective Ken Hutchinson in Starsky and Hutch. So, I knew I'd seen him somewhere before. That's where he saw it. <laughs> it was Hutch. driving me nuts. Yep. And here's a little bonus for you, Jared. At the beginning of the movie, and I know you're going to throw this movie on after we get done here now. If you look carefully, you can see a young Carl Weathers in the crowd of protesters. Yes, I'm a Carl Weathers fan. Love it. Um, yep, yep. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Fight, fight, fight. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Welcome to the Video Dome Arena, and let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? And Jason gets to kick it off with his thoughts on First Blood. You touched on it earlier. Rambo by now is a dynasty. They recently had like, what is it, the fifth Fifth, Rambo that came out in theaters? Mm-hmm. And they're good. They're enjoyable. But First Blood was a movie unto itself. You almost have to separate it from the other four in a way, because it was actually a film with a good story at the center. And on the surface, it's man versus man. It's Rambo versus the sheriff. But on the deeper level, it's really Rambo versus himself, mm-hmm. right? Trying yeah. to come back into the world and just can't. And I thought that it's very timely. You know, you and I both had our struggles coming back from the Middle East and reintegrating in a society after a career in the military. And it's hard, man. It's still sometimes hard. But to be somebody who experienced the things that Rambo did and come back to that world in the time of Vietnam, man, that had to be rough. And I think that the film did a really good job of capturing that. Man, you really summed that up very well. I'm pretty much just going to regurgitate what you said when I say it's different. It's a thinking man's action movie there's layers there we'll get to it some more when i'm certain when we get to hero but stallone's performance is great if you think about it when you have this highly trained killing machine that can like he said he can operate million dollar equipment and all that and then you come home and you can't get work i mean you used to be one of the most important people on the planet and now you're no one that can be hard like i said i think it's really timely today you know how many homeless vets are out there and i i mean i don't want to turn this into a you know, into a downer, but you know, it did make me think. One of the things that I will say about war in the military is it's much more fair in its own unique way. There's certain sets of rules and codes of conduct. Mm-hmm. And so when you come back to a place that doesn't have those, mm-hmm. you know, that's very difficult. And I think that this film really, it made me stop and think. I will say that I hadn't seen this movie in a long time and watching it again, I was like, huh. I definitely picked up on other elements of it. Just to round out our thoughts on this before we move to Magnaforce and then ultimately into scoring, thinking about it from a scoring point of view in the round of story that we're here in round one, I think this one is going to be the highest rated Rambo movie for story. 
Well, I can say I better not rate any of the other ones higher than what I rated this one. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on you. I may not remember, but I, I mean, there's, not. you know, let's be fair too. The other Rambo movies, two and three, they're much more action driven. They have fun stories. There's nothing wrong with them, but this yeah, no. one's just heavier. Four gets a little heavy as well. And I've yet to see five, but I'm looking forward to it. Five's pretty heavy too. I would imagine. Okay. I would imagine. Anyway, we've spent a lot of time on First Blood. Let's talk about Magnum Force. And once again, you get deleted in this round. So your thoughts, sir? Well, I was kind of comparing it to the Enforcer, the one that we did. I think it was our very first episode that we It certainly was. The very first action film face-off. We had the Enforcer versus Silverado. And I think this one was just a little more complicated. There's a little more meat to this story than there was to the Enforcer. The subject was really about vigilante justice. And it was a little more complicated And it showed a little more complicated version of Harry. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the hero portion of the show. But I did like how Harry, the story actually put him in danger and had him question his own motivations. And it really kind of challenged him, I think, a little bit more than what we saw at the Enforcer, which was just like, bang, bang, you know. Mm -hmm. And again, we kind of had the subject of soldiers returning home from Vietnam, kind of similar to Rambo. But in this case, they became cops. They've kind of taken their own version, that code of conduct that we were talking about And they've tried to bring it into the institution of the San Francisco Police Department. Mm -hmm. And Harry ain't having that. So, (laughs) Yeah. Once again, you did a great job on that. The only thing I'll add, which is where you were kind of going with this anyway, and may touch on in the hero round. We were told in the first one and by Harry's, the way he acts and throughout the whole series, that he is a bit of a vigilante justice guy. But like you alluded to, this pushed him to the boundary. Where is the line for Harry? Because he definitely believes in a little bit of vigilante justice sometimes. You know, screw the court system. This dude has to die. That's basically what happened in the first movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, it was Clint Eastwood was very cognizant. And he did receive a lot of feedback, mail and, and such, from fans and critics that were kind of criticizing that point of view so he really wanted the second movie to challenge that paradigm Mm -hmm. and i think he summed it up best i mean in true clint eastwood fashion instead of having this big long diatribe like i'm going through right now he just says i'm afraid you've misjudged me Mm -hmm. and that's it and that's all he has to say anyway yeah so I, i enjoyed the story on this one well let's go ahead and score them on a scale of one to ten five being average mill the road you expect to see it on a you know halfway decent tv show you go up six seven eight nine ten you're getting to really good stuff right there and then you know your four three two one is maybe a movie you might need might want to take a pass on. Where are you going to put the story of First Blood? I hear you flipping the pages. I know. I'm sorry. That's why I make one sheets. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I do need notes for the one sheets. First Blood, I gave a seven. I thought this was well above average. All right. If you're at home and you're playing match game or if you're Laurel and you're drinking right now, unfortunately, no match game. I went a little stronger this one. Rainbow really touched my heart in this first one. I gave it an eight. Yeah, as we were talking about it, I was thinking, should I give this one an eight? But I'll stick with my seven. That's what I put. When and I think that's it. fair because I think overall it's a lean story. There's not a lot of, it's not the Matrix. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of woo story elements, but... <laughs> 
but it's got a nice, you know, I, I'm a sucker for the emotions. We've talked about this before, and that one gets to me. So uh, it gets an eight. Magnum Force, I thought, you know, at the end of the day, when I compared the stories, I found a lot of similarities. I matched that at a seven as well. Good news, everyone. Match game. I have ah. a seven. We have our first match of the show, and I also scored it a seven. And that's going to close out round one. All right. That'll bring us into round two. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. We're going to talk about the hero. So how cool is the hero or the heroes? We'll start off with John Rambo. What do you think of John Rambo? Well, John Rambo. I mean, he's in that league with Indiana Jones and James Bond and Dirty Harry. You know, it's one of those characters that's bigger than itself, right? Yeah. So definitely going to have a high score. We've already talked about Stallone and his acting chops and what he brought to this part. You know, a lot of people bag on Stallone because, you know, you just got to uh, use that reputation, you know, but man, he brought a wonderful performance, layered character. So good that it's got its own franchise. This is, this is going to be what he's remembered for. This and Rocky are going to be what he's remembered for. Probably a little more so Rocky, but man, this is not a bad option B to be remembered for this <laughs> franchise. Look for a high score and I'll let you take it from there. I think back to Rambo and I think there's the cartoon. Oh yeah, he got a cartoon series. He has a cartoon, action he has figures. action figures. And I'm like, how the heck did this happen? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like, like a suicidal vet gets his own cartoon. I know, <laughs> yes. And when you watch this movie, it's like, what was the road to progression for this? <laughs> but, you know, you can't deny that Rambo's made his way into popular culture. And you're right. When you think about the characters from our childhood, John Rambo, he was right up there with him. And Sylvester Stallone just did a great job portraying him. He's powerful. He's physical, the emotional performance. And I'll just leave you with this question, Jared. Is he really the hero of the story? What heroic action did he do in First Blood? That's a good point. You root for him, but he's not necessarily the hero. Right. And so who is, if I had to answer that question, probably Richard Crenna. I mean, he was there to help solve the situation and try to make sure nobody died. That's the most heroic guy in the movie. Colonel Trot know, Trotman. Colonel Trotman. I'm giving it to that actor that got busted in a snot box. <laughs> just for being a trooper. Yeah, just being a trooper. Literally and, you know, in character. Listen, man. Okay, now you got me spun off on a whole other topic. Oh, you know, he killed that cop. You know, no, man, that crappy helicopter pilot killed that cop. <laughs> that cop killed himself, man. That was that was just stupid. He threw that rocket that helicopter, that helicopter pilot, like overreacting, like, what? <laughs> it's like, dude. Well, the pilot was telling that cop, too. He's like, man, this is too dangerous. It's too much draft in here, and we're going to crash. He's like, if you leave out of here, I'll shoot you myself. He's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> you got beat by a rocket. Son, <laughs> I don't know how I got that topic, but all right, that's but anyway. So, leaving it on that, is Rambo a hero? Is he not a hero? Anyway, he's gonna get a good score. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you know it's a really great question because we absolutely think of him as a hero, but he really doesn't become heroic until part two. Yeah. Well, what about Magnum Force? What about uh, Dirty Harry Callahan? What did you think of Dirty Harry, Jared? You know, let's just use the same comments I used on the last one. Iconic character. Clint Eastwood's like 112 years old and he's still making movies and he's not going to be with us much longer. 
And one day we're going to look back and and what are we going to remember him for? Dirty Harry, Dirty Harry, man with no name. My two personal favorites, Outlaw Josie Wales and Heartbreak Ridge. And that's fair, but I'm talking just franchises, you know, kind of fr- like multiple film franchises. And I think it's going to be Dirty Harry and the man with no name. And again, Philo Beto, <laughs> every which way but loose any which way you can. All right. Point well taken, but I still like those other two franchises better. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is, he's the the man's body of work is amazing, and I think at the end of the day, the one he'll be most remembered for is Dirty Harry Callahan. It's fun to watch, so fun, like you can tell that once Clint Eastwood, you know, he was the producer on those films, and it's like the '70s, the early '70s. He's at the height of popularity. I mean, he's writing these movies. If he's not writing it, he's writing it for the backgrounds. And like, he's got every female character that movie just wants to bang him. Like, <laughs> they're so self-serving in a way, in a glorious way. It's just like it's the '70s. I'm Clint Eastwood, and you know, oh, you know, everything's all everything coming roses for Eastwood. Everything is awesome, <laughs> and that's half the fun. I mean, I know it sounds kind of bad and kind of sexist, but it's half the fun of the '70s. Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood thing so at the end of the day another high score is coming i agree i mean what can you add to that we'll just say i thought that harry in this movie when you compare it to the other dirty harry movies including the enforcer the one that we covered on our first show he's more complicated in this film and there's a little more character range i think for harry you actually see him nervous kind of scared for his life in in some situations which you know not so much in in the other movies yeah and really like concerned with uh, i think his name was charlie the cop that they kind of thought might have been doing it at first because he was kind of off his rocker but like and like nobody cared about him but harry you know harry like cared about his mental health and his well being (laughs) yeah i think and also i mean to just kind of layer on that too he didn't suspect those young cops at first he he really liked them because it's like oh these guys can shoot they're all about the business and so he got it wrong Mm -hmm. his own prejudices kind of got in the way of his detective skills but at the same time he was very resourceful so when he started picking up the clues i thought one of the coolest scenes in the film was at the shooting range when he was in the competition and how he was able to secure that bullet Mm -hmm. and just like hey can i try to use your pistol and then buried the bullet in the softwood of the door and then came back later that night and dug it out the question did he lose the shooting championship on purpose just so he could do that? Ooh. I thought so. I, I, I thought so. I thought there's two things. What cost him the championship was when he shot the cop. Yeah, he was sending a message. That's what I He was sending the message. I know it's you, right? On top of that, when he lost to go over graciously and said, Hey, you mind if I fire a couple you know rounds from your weapon there to get that bullet? I think that was all very complicated. He's very resourceful and very well done. Yeah, he's doing like real detective work. Usually it's you know, drive fast, shoot the gun, kill the guys. Real detective work. Well, there was that too, but <laughs> yeah, I mean you want it all, but you make a great point about how he's more layered in this one than most of the other dirty air. Yeah, but I thought he was also the character. He's just kind of this blend of he's lonely, obviously. Not so much now. They got, uh, what was her name down there? (laughs) Yeah, the Asian lady from downstairs. (laughs) There's some tragedy, you can tell from the pictures in his apartment, but there's this resoluteness to him as well. He's not questioning what he has to do. He gets up every day and he soldiers on. And I thought that that's one of the heroic elements about Dirty Harry that I admired. Mm -hmm. So. Let's score him. What you giving John Rambo? John Rambo, 
First Blood, 1982. I'm giving a very solid eight. I like John Rambo a lot. Good news if you're playing match game. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we made the point that Roger Moore in A View to a Kill is a seven. Yes. (laughs) He's very Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. I gave him an eight. (laughs) It's like the whole barometer for the show now is Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. And we do love Roger Moore. We'll be very clear about that. Uh, we do. And I love Roger Moore in a view to a kid. <laughs> I do too. So what about Dirty Harry from Magnum Force there? What'd you give him? Man, great character. And as you pointed out, one of his most layered performances, nine. Oh, really? Yeah. I gave him a seven. Whoa! Like, yeah. That's a big disparity for us. <laughs> that is a big disparity for us. Because I watched Rambo first, and I scored Rambo the eight. And then when I said, does Dirty Harry meet the Rambo performance in First Blood? I just, not Ooh, not, not quite. Not yeah, if quite. You look at it purely performance, I could see that. You know, I kind of factor in the iconicness. That may not be a word, but you know what I'm saying. Of the character, too. So yeah. I think it's fair, depending on what lens you look through. Yeah, sure, sure. So anyway, all right, little disparity, little controversy here, folks. Ooh, <laughs> Jason, two points apart. <laughs> Put those drinking glasses down. What's happening here? <laughs> all right, going to pass it to you. We'll talk about some villains. Let's do that. Let's get in round three. You could ask yourself a question: Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Round three is your villain. Man, it's such a make or break category for a good film. And not enough filmmakers realize that. But you need to have a compelling villain. Are they interesting? How much can they carry the film? So let's find out. Talk to me about the villain or villains. Don't get all highfalutin on me on first blood. Don't be like, society's the villain. Let's talk about Brian Dennehy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did talk about Brian Dennehy, and I thought he did a great job as Sheriff Teasel. Both he and Rambo, either one of them could have diffused that situation or de-escalated that situation at just about any time in the movie. But Teasel is too proud. He won't let his authority be challenged. As a result, this town got blown up. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent point. And and then I will just leave you with this question, Jared. Is he a villain? No, stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what, though? That's fair. Because if you watch how he originally handled Rambo, there was, you know, dickishness under the surface. But he was like, I'll give you a ride. I'll move you along. I told you where the next place to eat is. I just want this. Keep the peace here. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But there is, you know, (laughs) he wasn't straight out evil. He's not like, he's not Hans Gruber. You know, Roger Moore's our benchmark for heroes. Hans Gruber's our benchmark for villains. (laughs) (laughs) And Brian Dennehy is really good at playing these parts, as we talked about. Silverado, this, he's can be a lovable scumbag, Mm -hmm. you know, very slick and smooth. And and the guy you might want to hang out with for a little bit, but like underneath of that, there's something wrong with it. Great at playing the part in my research too. I want to point this out. And I bet Eagle Eye Jason noticed this. This was only in the book, but they did a nod to it in the movie. In the book is a lot about Korean war vets versus Vietnam war vets. Yes. yes. Teasel was a Korean war vet and Rambo's a Vietnam war vet. And Teasel kind of looked down on him. That wasn't a real war. I was a real war soldier. Did you catch what they did in the movie to point that out? 
Yeah, they had his combat ribbons and yes. insignia on his desk. Yeah, his I did. Behind him in the background, and he had some good awards. He had a Purple Heart, Purple he Heart, had a yeah. Silver Star, and a Distinguished Service Cross, I think. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. I remember he had a star of some kind. I can't remember his bronze or silver and a Purple Heart. And then, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember exactly high, what he had. But The point is, high-level awards. Like, he is a decorated an honorable man. Well, the Purple Heart means he was wounded. Wounded as yeah. well. So Yeah, this is a guy who, you know, should be respected. And to your point, so should John Rambo. And then that's where the refusal to back down comes from. They both have that thing in them that says, no, I'm right. <laughs> you know, to carry your example a little bit further, after Teasel drops him off across the bridge, Rambo has that moment where he's kind of looking in one direction and then looking in the other direction. And you can see his little mind turning and he makes a decision. I'm going to push this. Mm -hmm. And the game's on at that point. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing, though, that I thought there's a saying that you can tell a good leader when you put the leader in the room with the rest of his soldiers or police officers or whatever. And you can't tell who the leader is because they're all behaving professionally. Oh, right. That is not the case with Teasel's men. Some of his men are straight up thugs. Some of his men are okay. David Crusoe. Yeah, David Crusoe, he's all right. (laughs) Got punched in the face, I think. Somebody got shot in the nuts. I don't remember, but... But the point is, is that I looked at Teasel's subordinates and Mm -hmm. said, that's a guy that doesn't really have his stuff on lock. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Had a lot of charisma that he was misusing. He was taking shortcuts. You know what I mean? It's easier just to drive this problem away instead of protecting, serving, helping. Mm -hmm. Just think about how much better off he would have been if he would have driven him to the local diner. I bought his lunch, fellow soldier to fellow soldier, and then drove him out of town because that's all Rambo wanted was a meal. Yeah, he just wanted something (laughs) to eat. Get something to eat, man. Buy him a meal and he's gone. But no, no, had to make it. Yep. Now you got a guy with raccoon eyes, guy with a punji stick in his (laughs) bones, and a dude dead on the rocks. It's not a good outcome for anybody. It is oh, not. Let's move to Magnum Force. And All right. Talk about the before they were star studded cast of villains <laughs> that both are in cops Magnum Force. or private eyes or something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Spencer for hire in there. Yeah. I saw him. I saw Star. It was Hutch, right? Yeah. Yep. Hutchison. Yep. Which you pointed that out. Tim Matheson's in this flick. Man, mm-hmm. it's. And then there's Hal Holbrook. Oh, there's Hal Holbrook. It's like a whole bunch of cool people. Carl Weathers apparently in the. <laughs> <laughs> protest in the beginning of the movie yep. anyway give me your thoughts on the villain villains well first off i gotta say that i got to meet hal holbrook he came to uh olympia theater here and did a reading of mark twain he's a big mark twain fan and he's just the nicest guy so it's hard for me to see him as a villain in the story <laughs> but he was a bad guy in fletch two and tim matheson was the bad guy in fletch one <laughs> Our worlds are colliding. This is just crazy. (laughs) You know, as I recall, when we did the villains on The Enforcer, we were laughing because they were all just kind of cookie cutter, throwaway villains. These are not. These are more complicated villains who, you know, they think they're doing good. They think they're making their society better. Uh, Maybe they're a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those people, I was like, man, no one's going to. Nobody's going to miss that jerk guy who killed the really good-looking prostitute lady. With the Drano, yeah. I'd be like, with yeah. Drano? Goodness gracious. I know. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll start on that case after lunch. <laughs> 
But like we talked about, I mean, they're so charismatic that Harry likes them and it throws them off his game. We talked about that in the Heroes. I thought the Hal Holbrook reveal was pretty cool. I was kind of watching him because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. And I was like, wait a minute, is he he going to turn bad? (laughs) I did the same thing. I was like, Uh, something's up with that guy. (laughs) Yeah, but it was still enough. Like, it still kind of surprised me at the end. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, I actually had the sense that Harry was in danger. And so that was, from a villain's perspective, I was like, good job. (laughs) Another layer, even Harry trusted him. Mm -hmm. He was the only guy he called about that bomb. Yep. So it was like, man, because the movie swerves you because he's, you know, Harry always has that boss and he and his boss never get along. That's a dynamic. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But there was something there like, you know, I may not like you because he trusted him in the lab and he trusted him with the bomb. I may not like you. We may not be hangout buds, but I think you're good police. Yeah, they kind of gave us that double fake. Yeah. Because at first you're like, ah, he's just a Weasley pencil pusher type of guy. Not a bad guy, but he's Mm. just an office guy. And Harry's the, you know, he's the steadily cop guy. These two are going to clash. And then you started seeing them. There was, there seemed to be a grudging respect for one another. Mm -hmm. And he's like, fooled you. Give me your gun. (laughs) Like, damn, 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 huh? That's how you do. <laughs> well, let's get some scores done. What are you giving Brian Dennehy and company if they are truly the villains, as we look deep into first blood? <laughs> but let's go ahead and score those guys. What do you think? I think at the end of the day, just a bit above average. I gave him a six. Oh, no match game. I gave him a seven. Oh, okay. I like Brian Dennehy. I like him in everything. I do like Brian Dennehy a lot, too. I think that I liked his character in the novel just a little bit more than I did in the the movie. Over to Magnum Force. Well, again, I had a hard time separating these two. I thought they were about at the same level of villainy. I gave them a six as well. Match game. All right. I gave them a six, even though it's kind of star-studded. Robert Urich, Tim Matheson, Hutch, (laughs) Al Holbrook. Yeah. It was almost too spread out. You don't even have, like, a main villain. You just sort of have a group of villains and i'll be honest with you by the time he's having the big shootout on the on the ship at the end i'm not even really sure who's who <laughs> i'm just like okay kill the bad cops i'm not sure which one that is yeah no i, I know i know what you mean anyways six so that's it for my villain round all right let's start talking about spectacle and go to where the money is here i'll be back This is overall spectacle. So we're going to talk about how visually engaging the film is overall. We're going to look at the action scenes, the stunts, the effects, cinematography, etc., etc. Jared, let's start with Rambo. What were your thoughts about the overall spectacle? Pretty good. Lots of neat stunts. Nothing super complicated. Nothing really over the top. Got some good explosions. We got some good motorcycle stunts. Pretty good chase when the cop car was chasing the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. A lot of good cat and mouse out in the jungle. You know I tune in to music as part of my spectacle. The score of the movie is very good. The final song over the credits is very dated. Uh (laughs) They should have just used musical score. We chatted about that in text while I was watching it. Yeah, I felt the same way. Overall, when you realize this is the first one in the series and not throwing unlimited budgets at it, I think it was filmed in Canada. In fact, I almost put... This is a great place to squeeze this in. I was putting in this fun fact. They had to bring a big, like, deuce and a half truckload of weapons up for Rambo. Mm-hmm. You know, M60s and ammo and M16s and blah, blah, because they didn't have in Canada. They got pretty strict gun laws. And guess what <laughs> happened? Somebody stole the truck. 
What? (laughs) (laughs) Their whole truck full of weapons got stolen. Some Canadian dude is up there just laying out moose like kitchen tile somewhere, man. (laughs) (laughs) There's one well-armed Canadian. (laughs) But, you know, everything looks good. The environments. I want to talk about that. You feel the environment. You feel the cold. You feel the cold, rainy. They do a good job of communicating that to you. And... I'll let you pick up what I've missed. Didn't miss too much. I like the blend of action. I thought that there was some good fisticuffs there at the beginning, followed by a good chase. There was some shootouts. There was him making some punji sticks and spears and things like that. I kind of appreciated the menu, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> of action yep. options. It was a real cheesecake factory of <laughs> action options. <laughs> you talked about it. I thought the backdrop was beautiful, but you did really feel the harshness of the environment. And then you could feel the warmth of the fire. Mm-hmm. He was having some good pig there. Yeah, the fire. I was like, man, you got enough there. Why don't you share some of that? <laughs> I really appreciated the physical action in the days before CGI. It was real, man. It was doing it for real. So that's pretty much it. What did you think about the spectacle in Magnum Force? Very on par with First Blood. Even though First Blood is the rainy, cold what's supposed to be Washington state, but they filmed in Canada. We mentioned this in the enforcer. They do a great job of bringing San Francisco and the cityscape into, I think they did more so in enforcer than they did in this one. Magnum force. That could be fair. Yeah. But it's still there. It's still gritty street, dirty Harry Callahan. It's still good car chase shootouts. And you know me and music, I got to give it up for, I think his name is, I don't know if we pronounce it, Lalo Sheffron or Lalo Sheffron. Mm, got I me. Think, I know he did the music for the first two. I think he might have done it for the whole series. And it's so like 70s and, I mean, you know it when you hear it. It's so unique. And so I got to give him a shout out to Lalo or Lalo. I'm not sure how he pronounces it, but very unique and recognizable music. I'll let you take it. You stole mine with San Francisco. Yeah, just does a really good job of showing the seedy side of a beautiful city. And I made a note to myself, if I'm ever going to make a movie with a car chase, and it's got to be in San Francisco. <laughs> that place is just built for car chases. The other thing I'd like to talk about, like the violence. The violence looked real. It's not glorified at all. You see like the twitching bodies in the shootouts. There's not a whole lot of John Wick moments. It's good fire stance positions and it's just not glorified at all. It's right. It's really it's realistic. Yeah. Along those lines too, the characters kind of look gritty and real. When you see Dirty Harry at the end of the day, you know, he looks like he's he's got the rumpled clothes and his hair's kind of a mess and he's got a little five o'clock shadow going on. Even, I think her name was Sunny, is kind mm-hmm. of love interest there. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful, but she's not a model beauty. She's got- She's, she's girl got, next door pretty. Mm-hmm, she's got some flaws and blemishes and stuff like that. And I thought that that kind of adds another layer of realism to the film. So I, I appreciate that. We talk about the city, we talk about the characters, the way that they film the action sequences and the violence in the action sequences. And it's very, very realistic. Mm-hmm. But that, I guess we should just score them. What are you giving the spectacle for first blood solid seven 
Very good. Didn't blow me away, but really served the story. I'm right there with you. You probably could give the other Rambo movies a higher spectacle score. Yes. They probably traded a little more spectacle for the story, but this one was still good. Well above average, and it held my interest the whole way. I did not check my phone to use your barometer. Correct. I did not either. That's four match games so far. Let's see what happens next. What about Magnum Force? What score did you give that? Seven. Right there with you. Match game. Five match games now. (laughs) Yeah, I thought they were really on par with one another. It was similar in that it was, you know, even First Blood was more realistic. He wasn't, you know, just out there shooting from the hip till the very end with the M60. But But then he's shooting buildings. Yeah. (laughs) shooting people. (laughs) Yeah, you can hit buildings. (laughs) Yeah, they're both very grounded in their spectacle, but it's still fun to watch. All right. Well, we got sevens across the board for overall spectacle. And that leaves you for round five. The disease. Round five is the best action scene. Better have a good action scene if you're going to be on Action Film Face Off. And you know, we all are excited about this moment in the show to see what Jason called the various action scenes in the films. And we'll figure out which one was our favorite action scene and we'll score them accordingly. Jason, hit me with that first blood lineup. All right. So I got five. Woo. So the first one I thought was the escape from the police station or what I call shaving a haircut two fists. <laughs> I would need a minute. <laughs> I was proud of that one. That's a good I'm very happy with that. And then the second one I kind of took from that chase scene up until the police helicopter after Rambo falls off the thing and then the helicopter, the guy's trying to shoot him and everything. Mm -hmm. So I called that one the fall guys. All right. Gotcha. Fall guys. Okay. I'm afraid that I might insult Toronto cop here, but maybe not. Here we're good. We'll go with it. Yeah. Damn the torpedoes. (laughs) It's the manhunt in the woods. You know, when they're chasing Mm -hmm. him and they got the guy with the dogs and everything. He's kind of picking them off one by one. Mm -hmm. That's why I call it Pigs to the Slaughter. It's terrible. Wow, that is bad. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But it's what it was, man. (laughs) It was. He picked those guys off one by one. One And then he killed a pig. So, yeah. Pigs to the Slaughter. Number four is the National Guard chase and then through the mine and everything else. And I called that Enemy Mine. Oh, very nice. And then finally, of course gets the m60 back in town i just called that one now i have a machine gun ho 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 very good so what scenes do we have in magnum force all right so magnum force so the first one i was the airplane hijacking i like that one i called it this is your captain beating (laughs) (laughs) you're leading strong on all your first ones yeah i like it so the second one i thought was the shootout within the chinese store yes and i called that one clean up on aisle four d4 then the next one was the shootout at the bay when somebody warns the right uh, yeah the, the mob the, guy the mob guys that the cops are coming and then there's the big shootout i called it shooting at the dock of the bay <laughs> <laughs> And then there was the chase scene after he beats the crap out of Hal Holbrook and then he's leading the motorcycle chase. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. Down to the shipyards. Okay. And so I called that one. Well, this is really more of a warning. Don't play chicken with a car if you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. I think that's... <laughs> Did not pan out for that. That's not, not going to pan out for you. And then finally, there's the final fight and then it ends with Hal Holbrook getting blown up by that bomb, mm-hmm. hoisted by his own petard, as you might say. Or I called it, you the bomb, yo. <laughs> Blow up your pants. Blow up your pants. (laughs) 
So those are the scenes. That's those how I've got them broken down. Okay, let's go back to First Blood 1982. Please reveal to me what scene you selected and what did you score it? I thought the very first one was still the best. The escape from the police station, shaving a haircut, two fists. I thought... <laughs> still funny. Hang on, give me a minute. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. That was a really good fist fight. Led to a good uh, motorcycle slash cop car chase scene. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fun. That was my favorite one. Which one did you like? I had it down between shaving a haircut, two fists. Just still funny to me. And Pigs to the Slaughter. My second one, too. I ended up going with Pigs to the Slaughter. Ever since I was a kid, you get to see the punchy sticks. He, like, gets one cop to shoot the other cop. Because he like gets his attention and moves out of the way and he shoots his own buddy in like the shoulder. That guy's like walking by those little bushes and then that one bush is Rambo. <laughs> Rambo, Rambo. And then ultimately, after he's got the one dude's like neck tied to a tree, like barely holding on, not choking himself. And Rambo shows up with that knife on Brian and he's necking. So it's like, let it go. Gotta tell you, at that point, even if I'm the sheriff, I'm like, pack it up, boys. He got away. Yeah. <laughs> He got yeah. away. To borrow a line from uh, Silverado, today my jurisdiction ends, ends here. Here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was close on picking that jailbreak scene, too, though, because it's really good fight stuff going on there. So, yeah. Anyway, what'd you score, jailbreak? I scored that one a seven. Oh, I, thought, I thought that was really good. Good, solid seven on jailbreak. None of the action scenes throughout the whole movie really do it for me. To me, they're like all kind of sixes. So I gave mine a six, but I don't want to sound so negative. I like them all, but none of them are like super like, whoa, you know, it's, it's not Blade at the beginning of Blade, you know, with the bloodbath. <laughs> That's oh, no, like, but what, what is you know? That's like a nine or a ten, right yeah. there. I forget what we scored it, but it was crazy. Yeah, I gave it a ten. I'm pretty sure, but I'm giving it a six, and I pretty much liked them all to the tune of a six. It was just kind of like, which one am I feeling? And I do like the one where he's just kind of picking the cops off in a non-lethal way, but in a way that says. This could get bad fast if you don't stop. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was definitely their shot across the bow. <laughs> he told him, let it go. <laughs> Dang, I would have been like, pack it up, boys. We're done today. I mean, you're going to do all that for like one drifter that didn't even really do anything? I know. Yeah. He didn't hurt is... anybody. He didn't steal anything. <laughs> well, motorcycle, I guess. I was going to say, there's got to be a homeless guy you can rouse. But I guess that was the homeless guy that they were rousing. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, anyway, Magnum Force, which action scene did you settle on? I really like that shootout at the dock of the bay. Oh, uh, with the mob boss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Now, this is another one. This is a lot like Rambo. I liked the, this is your captain beating a lot, That's even fun. though it was short. But ultimately, and this could change with the wind. I'm going to agree with you. Shoot it out the dock of the bay. And I liked it to the tune of a six. What about you? I went seven with that one as well. Oh, okay. So we were one point off on that. So there you have it, folks. We both like the same shootout in Dirty Harry. We had a little bit of difference of opinion in Rambo, but they're all so good. That'll close out the action scene and the official scoring round. So if you're playing match game and you voted for five on this episode, you're the big winner. Nice. <laughs> 50%. I'll just hand it to Jason to do what he does at the end of every one of these video dome arena brawls. Let's uh, minus it. We minus it. Prepare to meet Kali in hell. 
we got to do the deduction round. We got to do the reduction for the ridiculous scenes you didn't like. Let's take some points off. What are you going to take off for Rambo or First Blood? I almost took one off for just, it drives me nuts every single time when he's like, let it go. And the sheriff's just like, nah, I'm pressing this. Like, what? I almost what? had him. What? I, and I gotta say, I, too, I love how that scene begins because they're like buddies on a hunting trip. They're laughing. They're just like hooting and hollering. Having oh, my dogs go. are gonna get them. My oh, dogs are gonna fun. But at the end of the day, I took away nothing from First Blood. There was nothing in it that just, I was just like, nah, nah, nah. I, zero deductions. I got one. Okay, hit me with it. This really bothers me after a career of loading the back a deuce and a half and five tons. Who the heck is going to put one M60 <laughs> in the back of a deuce and a half? That is the laziest freaking private on the planet. There, it's ready. Go. <laughs> they were National Guard guys. <laughs> I mean, even so, he's got to open the pharmacy on, on the, the next day, man. He was very clear on that. <laughs> he's got one MC. You got to put that in the trunk of a car. <laughs> you know what, though? I do want to say this. Getting us off track again. That first lieutenant, National Guardsman guy, smartest guy in the movie. Smartest <laughs> guy. He was like, "I'm not going in there. We've got a law rocket. Let's, let's wrap this up." <laughs> no arguments there. Let's <laughs> Yep. Now we're not playing around here, boys. Anyway, so you're taking off one for the laziest military guy in the movie for just the, the single 60 setup in the back of the That bothers me every time I see it. Okay, so what about Magnaforce? Where are you taking off for that? You know, I do have a deduction for Magnaforce. A minus one. I'm going to minus it one because it's always bugged me every time I watch. Hal Holbrook, near the end, got his gun on Harry. Mm-hmm. Tells him, get rid of the reloads. Right? And Harry right. tosses out, takes out a reload. And Hal Holbrook says, no, nah, no, nah, three. You always carry three. And Harry throws away two. <laughs> I thought, you know, I saw that too. But I, <laughs> I was thought, like, wait, what? Maybe he was counting the one that was in the... In the gun? In maybe? the weapon. That's the but I'm like, that's not a reload. That's already loaded. <laughs> I, you know, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I was like, am I going to... I didn't take a point off for it because I thought, okay, I will give it the benefit of the doubt. But I do hear what you're saying. I did catch that as well. <laughs> I'm taking a point off for me, and I think this is legit. The final death of the guy, the cop, not Hal Halbert, but the guy that goes like off yes. the... Oh, I, I, now I almost want to minus another one. I know where you're going with it. The guy who goes right off the battleship. Yeah. Or the carrier. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure he could survive that. Yes. And two, it's like, what a lame way for the last main bad guy to, to yeah. die. He didn't get shot, really. He just kind of... I remember screwed back up to his the jump. Deadpool where he shoots that guy with the big spear gun. Yeah, like a harpoon, man. Big harpoon. Yeah, I want that, man. That's how I want my last that, bad You guy know what? Go. That stuck with me, too. I just forgot the minus. I won't go back and revise. But yeah, he dies basically because he misses his motorcycle jump distance, goes flying off the edge of his ship, falls down, I don't know, 100 feet to the water? Dead? Heck no, man. I would. It would have been better to me if, if at least like when he made the jump, if Harry was like waiting on the other side, like blam, blam, you know, and then he goes off. Yeah, and the That's motorcycle all- explodes, and then he goes over the. I mean, all you need is an insert shot of Harry squeezing off two rounds, blam, blam, and then, <laughs> then the scene makes sense. Yep, he did kick the helmet off and have that clever line. They do lack experience. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They do lack experience. <laughs> I kind of want a plus one for the knife chop he gave to Robert Urich, man. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, like killed him like with a whack, whack. <laughs> he just worked that throat until Robert Urich's head was like at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> 
That you maybe remember one. that Robert Urich used to do the Tylenol commercials. He's like, you know, bang, pain, back, and take Tylenol. Like, you need a heck of a lot of Tylenol. Yeah, you need some Tylenol after that scene, boy. <laughs> All yeah. right. I think we're done. I think we're done scoring. We are done scoring. That is the end of our official rounds. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face Off with a very close verdict of 70 to 67. Three point difference. Huh. First Blood. Well, congratulations to John Rambo and First Blood. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 1971. Get your bell bottoms out because I happen to know what the randomizer picked for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 1976. We are in the 70s. Get the disco ball. Mm -hmm, I got my gold chain. I'm going to grab some chest hairs. You want some chest hair? Oh, no. Get back in the room. We're in the 70s? I did mad <laughs> cocaine Zar, in the Zar, 70s. Zar, Zar. <laughs> what will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. That'd be you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And because I can't do a segment without... First Blood Trivia. I also want to point out in the book, he is only referred to as Rambo throughout the whole thing. He has no first name. The name John was Sylvester Stallone's decision. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I read the book a long time ago, but I didn't remember that. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your finer podcatchers. Or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up at social media, either at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or if you're on Twitter, you can go direct to us at AFFO Podcast. We'd appreciate a subscription there. You want to follow us? That'd be great. Uh, we happy to chat with folks. We had a guy, Jason, from our last episode who was dead set on Sky Captain being better than Casino Royale. <laughs> There's always one. The, you know, and I'm okay with that. I know I snickered there, but I mean, I think it's cool that he's passionate about something. But I'm like, man, I did not see that coming. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Sky Captain is definitely kind of a unique film and we yeah. had a lot of fun with it. I wouldn't say that I would pick it. Obviously, I didn't pick it over Casino Royale, but hey, if that's somebody's cup of tea, man, all yeah. more power to them. I do love people who are passionate about those things that hit them just right. So, yeah, that, that was just kind of an example of what we get over at the AFFO podcast handle. And, you know, we want to hear from you guys. If you don't agree with our choice, we want to know. We'd love to hear you talk about what your favorite films are. Not, you know, we don't want people. 
people tearing down films. And we want to hear what you love, though. We really do. And speaking of that interaction, if you want to interact with us via live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube. We do those on the second Sunday of every month. And we start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. We'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to our channel there. And click that bell so you get reminder notifications for when we go live. We'd love to chat with you. And you can come in and talk about anything. Action film, face-off, any of the Longbox shows. It's a hodgepodge. People are in the chat. It's a good time. Throw hands with some flash. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until the next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. From the finest pedigree, find a legacy. I own my opponents never see me. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. But before we should we have do, Laurel and Mary Jane do a ladies' night, maybe. Yeah, I don't think Laurel's ready for that. But. I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> all these guys, man! All these guys! <laughs> now you can't even jump! Oh, come on! Hey, it's a touching scene, man. I like that. It was a touching scene. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of it anyway. That's wrong. <laughs> That's R-O-N-G wrong. That's wrong misspelled. <laughs> How do you pronounce this? Ketchup? 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 I'm going to have to make a little paper noise. I'm sorry there. (laughs) Damn you.